So, so Lucas was great. Tremble before mighty Jesus was always the line that got me. And I had to like bite my tongue because I'm like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it if I don't bite my tongue. <laughs> it was so funny. The first time he's introduced, um, he's he, he was on stage, but uh, Peter's supposed to be watching uh, this return of Jesus thing on YouTube. So every night they tried to get me to crack on stage. I don't know if you ever knew about this, Carl. They tried to get me to crack on stage by handing me a, um, a phone with a video of Lucas. And while I'm sitting there watching it, Nick Stevens and anybody else in that cast was were trying to walk behind Lucas while he's on the video speaking, and they're doing all these dances and these weird, um, like these weird things that they just made up. And it was all Nick Stevens doing. He's like, "I'm gonna make you crack. It's gonna be a thing. I'm gonna make. You, I'm gonna. It's gonna happen." I was like, "You can try, but like I have to give him his 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 uh, his props because um, on the last night, whatever they recorded was actually so ridiculous that as as soon as he started getting into the shot, I just hit pause because I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can feel, I can feel the laughter building in my stomach right now. Today, Amy and Nick Bennett Zengen, Carrie Keebaugh, and Neil Leahy talk about community theater, and we finally make fun of Stranger Things. This is the Unreliable Narrator Theater Group's podcast. There is um, a. Uh, co-worker of mine who has been there for as long as I've been there and I've been working in the same place for 13 years um, he has been to a number of my shows still to this day he talks about the show with the intergalactic bunny as one of the best things he's ever seen <laughs> I just see cool. so so that's props to you man like, oh really. thanks it's been it's super fun and Ed was so fun to give life to, like to, to be that kind of obnoxious teenager. Um, and he has that hand me my tampons line. Um, you remember the one that I'm talking about? Oh my God, I, <laughs> I cringed every time, it was so but it, but, but it got such a reaction from the audience at, at night after night. And and as an actor, you, you sort of like live for those moments where you where you have that sort of response. So I, I don't mean to take up so much time talking about that, but um, that's one of my favorite memories from that show. I'm sorry, it is. I, I won't apologize for it. That Kurt Vonnegut quote that sometimes goes around in the meme on Facebook, I'm, I, I, I cannot remember the words, but the, the sentiment is about how you do art because you're human. It's what makes you human. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I, I'm teaching creative writing classes right now, and this is something I try to teach them as well, that, uh, that uh, inspiration isn't just a gift, it's a habit of mind. It's something that, it's a discipline that you can practice, that writing is, is a discipline that you practice and you get better at. As someone who works in education, and I'm not going to say anything against education, um, education is a human right, but um, much of education is the process of uh, teaching children not to do what they do instinctually when it comes to creativity, uh, which is just create in an, uh, without judging or evaluating uh, what they're creating. Um, but rather, in school, you learn whether what you're creating is good or bad. You learn whether it's an A project or, or a D project. You learn to uh, self-criticize. You learn to self-censor. You learn to sort yourself into, you know, like an artistic person or not an artistic person. I'm good at this. I'm bad at this. Um, or I mean, not all education does that, but um, 
our education system does do that. And arts education uh, is a target of cuts. And uh, if it exists at all, it's going to be for the youngest children. Um, and the, the far, far, further up you get, the, more, the fewer uh, students are going to be taking art classes. That's one thing that community theater does, is that it's for everyone, not just for the chosen few. And even if they, uh, they've never done this before, they can start, they can get better. Um, I've seen a few actors, like 10 years ago, I worked with this one guy at a show out in Concord, and I believe that it was his first production. And I've seen him grow exponentially over the years. He's found his foothold. He's found a group that, like, there, 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 there's a ton of community theaters within the 128 belt loop. He started out 10 years ago. It was his first one. You know, he was wet behind the ears, but he got better. And he's uh, continued to improve over the course of the years, and that's that's great. Although uh, I suppose we can't can't give an anecdote like that without acknowledging how much more often that happens for male actors than for female. Absolutely, because there's so still so much more opportunity for male mm -hmm. actors. It's also true for race, of course. Absolutely, and it's also true for anyone who's not on the uh, you know not on the binary. Uh, also. That's something community theater can can and should continue to work on. The potential to address that exists in a number of ways. It, it has to do with the types of shows you select. It has to do with like uh, parody and casting. Um, the director of Hadestown, her Tony speech, she was so right on on that. There, there are so many uh, it's, women. It's not a pipeline issue. It's, it's a not a pipeline of issue. Absolutely, yeah. it is a complete failure of imagination. So just you know, open up, be open to it. I'm actually really delighted with the greater Boston, Somerville, Cambridge area. I feel like a lot of the community theaters are really striving to do this. Yeah. Um, like PMRP does gender-swapped shows, uh, post-Mercadian radio players yeah. do gender-swapped shows and cast typically blind to gender. Shows. Oh, yes. And I remember you being yeah. um, Frankenstein's creature. You were yes. Amazing. I, I, was, I was Frankenstein's <laughs> creature. And then uh, in another show, I got to play Renfield. Yeah. Uh, so, Dracula, yeah. So I've, in various horror shows, I've gotten to play the, the victim, but I've also gotten to play the monster, and I've also gotten to play the lunatic minion, and all without regards to my gender. Fringe theater is community theater that gives you gas money. Community <laughs> theater is fringe theater for people with cars. <laughs> so Neil, I remember like a decade ago, you single-handedly produced an opera. How did you do that? <laughs> Was that at a community level too? Uh, well, I guess I'm trying to think back about like how we did it because people got paid from it. Uh, so fringe. <laughs> yeah, I guess, fringe, I guess yes. that's right. Yeah. Um, Gave them their grocery money. I think it was something like that. Um, so how do we do it? Um, I had a friend at the time uh, who was a wonderful guy who uh, ran and managed a uh, community center for the city of Boston and the Roxbury South End neighborhood. And uh, he has a theater space. It, all the tech stuff was probably 40 years old because nobody had done anything with it hmm. but like my first wife is a opera singer and she's wonderfully skilled and talented and was going to school at New England Conservatory and I uh, had a bunch of friends who were like well you know we want more chances to sing an opera and to do it and um, that is uh, its own challenge there, there are actually opera companies who work like 
uh, like fringe theater companies, I guess, too. Um, you know, not everybody could sing at the Met right away. <laughs> and so I, we were like, well, uh, you know, we know our friend Keith, and he has this space, and we know really skilled professional pianists who would probably just do this. He had a piano, too, by the way, which was like kind of amazing that there's this like piano just like hanging out. Um, and we cobbled together some money uh, from some friendly donors. Uh, that was how we did it. I, you know, and I guess some of my best experiences with theater have been um, not waiting for somebody else to do the thing, you know, to not sit back and say like, oh, I guess I'm just gonna sit this one out or, well, I guess I'll do arsenic and old lace. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love or, arsenic and old lace. Or, or whatever, right? Or whatever the show is. <laughs> the company that I work with the most um, is kind of a weird hybrid of things. They have a, a thing that they do uh, called Springboard uh, Season, which is basically anyone can propose a project. You can write a play, you can do whatever, and uh, they have a committee of people who sits and reads it and says, mm, is this a good idea? And have you thought this through? They, they bake into their annual season of like, how can we promote new works? How can we take risks? and succeed or fail or whatever it is and they schedule it at a time for them that is traditionally kind of unprofitable anyway for hmm. theaters mm -hmm. uh, so the time after Christmas after New Year's mm -hmm. um, when like no one wants to go outside mm -hmm. and <laughs> theater tickets plummet I mm -hmm. uh, you know they're like we could just experiment with some crazy stuff uh, and, you know, some really amazing projects have come out of that. It's interesting to, to think about the divide between, like, community and professional, too. Um, it's not all that different because, yeah. like, you know, yeah, the... The people who are doing, uh, you know, professional or fringe stuff downtown, they're getting paid, but it's still not enough to pay the bills, you know? That's where um, I'm at in my life. Yeah. Where, like, I, I make some money acting, but, like, not enough to where I could, like, turn to my wife and be like, okay, I'm going to not do my other day job, like, more <laughs> high-paid things. Right, exactly. Take care of me. Yeah. Because um, that would be super unfair and cruel. It's actually, it's a topic that I've been back and forth with my friends about a lot lately. Um, I'm, I'm really of two minds and no help at all because I definitely believe that you should pay for your art and you should get paid for your art and you should be able to make a living from it if you so choose. But on the flip side, there's also something really beautiful about a group of people coming together to create art just because they want to, just because they love it, just because, you know, if a playwright to be writing a play just because he, she, they have something that they desperately want to say. But should they get paid for it? Yeah, sure they should. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm, again, I'm should no they, help. Putting a show up on its feet takes a lot of work. Um, there's a reason why, uh, you know, so many of us are just exhausted all the time because we're because we're doing this on top of having other day jobs. Whereas uh, people that I work with, they're like, you know, they they come in, they do their eight hours, and then go home. And it's like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I don't know. 
Or they like stay late or they stay after work for a meeting and then they come in the next day and they're like, oh, I'm really tired. I'm like, I'm like, dude, I, w- I, was, I was at a sits probe until one in the morning one time and then I had to go in and work at 830 the next day. Like, who are you telling? Uh, last summer in Stranger Things, they had a scene which I think was supposed to be the most nostalgic geekery one could imagine. But I think we can beat them. Susie, do you copy? Susie, do you copy? This is Susie. I copy. Susie Poo, help. Do you know the cure for nerve gas? My friends and I have been exposed to nerve gas and I can't remember the name of the cure. Okay, let me just be clear on this. I haven't heard from you in a week and now you want the name of a treatment for nerve gas that you should know so you can save the world? Susie Poo, I promise I will make it up to you. You can make it up to me now. What? I want to hear it. Susie Poo, this is urgent! Yes, yes, you're saving the world, I heard you the first time. But Triss is also saving the abnegation faction for being executed by Erudite. So this is Susie signing off. Wait, wait, wait! Okay. Okay. Earth! Fire! Wind! Water! Heart! Go Planet! By your powers combined, I am Captain Planet! Captain Planet, he's a hero! Gonna take pollution down to zero! He's our powers magnified! Fighting on the planet side! Captain Planet, he's a hero! Gonna take pollution down to zero! Gonna help him! Put asunder bad guys who like to loot and plunder. You'll pay for this, Captain Planet. We're the Planeteers. You can be one too. Cause saving our planet is the thing to do. Looting and polluting is not the way. Hear what Captain Planet has to say. The power is yours. The treatment for nerve gas is atropine. Take as much as you have, all you've got. You just saved the world. Gosh, I miss you, Dusty Bun. I miss you more. <coughs> oh, my lost. <laughs> Send your comments on this show to unreliable narrator podcast at gmail.com. This episode featured Amy and Nick Bennett-Zengen, Carrie Keebaugh, and Neil Leahy, with Nick Bennett-Zengen as Dusty Bun and Carrie Keebaugh as Susie Poo. Original material, copyright 2019, all rights reserved. Visit unreliable-narrator.com or Twitter at unarrator.